Hi, my name is Ida. And my name is Deja. And welcome to Sad Girl Sunday. Hey y'all, how's everyone doing? Welcome to another Sunday with the Sad Girls. My name is Ida, and I am one of the co-hosts for Sad Girl Sunday. Thank y'all for tuning in with us on episode 11. Last week, we discussed loneliness and the importance of community care. And in today's episode, we're talking all about global health, kind of like care on a global scale. So just before we get into the episode, we would love if you could subscribe to the podcast and leave a five-star review if you're enjoying the shows. It would really help us out. This week on the show, we have Hetal Baman with us talking about global health. Hetal is the host of the Global Health Pursuit podcast. Hetal has a bachelor's and master's in biomedical engineering and has a passion for serving others through learning, educating, and sharing stories. All right, y'all, let's get into the show. We hope you enjoy the interview. So, Hetal, can you please just give us a quick introduction of yourself. Who are you? What do you do? And where are you from? Oh, my goodness. Uh, so my name is Hethel Bauman. And I it's just so funny trying to introduce myself on another person's podcast, because I'm never the one that introduces myself. <laughs> but my background is in biomedical engineering. I have a South Asian family. My parents are from India. Um, they, I guess, immigrated from India in the late 1980s. What's funny is that my dad really never wanted to come to the United States. He, he had a really good job in dentistry in India. I was like, why do I have to come to the U.S.? And then everybody just left him. <laughs> so he was like, okay, I'll come, I'll come to, um, New York. And so you know, I, I was born in 91. I'm a millennial. Um, I was always, I thought that I was going to become a doctor growing up. I had a ton of doctor cousins in my family. So almost like I didn't really have a choice, right? You know, when you're growing up and people are like, your family members are like, well, what kind of doctor are you going to be? And Grammy was like, I just, I didn't even question like what other profession is there, you know, for me. And I ended up going to Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute for my undergrad. I thought I was going to go to med school. Uh, I studied BME there, biomedical engineering. And I, I think by my sophomore year, I was like, this is not for me. I just don't think medicine is going to be my path. I, I love healthcare and just helping people. But at the same time, I think at age 19, how are you supposed to know? Yeah. (laughs) You know, what are you supposed to do? And so all you do is look at people that are older than you, part of your family. 
and sort of create a path that way. And so I studied biomedical engineering. I had a little bit of a midlife crisis, well, 20 year old crisis where I was like, ah, I don't know if I want to go to medicine. Uh, maybe I could go and be a physical therapist or a nurse or occupational therapist or something like that. But then I ended up just trying it out, you know, trying engineering out. Found out I was actually pretty good at it uh, through internships and co-ops. You know, I got some good reviews. And I was like, huh, okay, I can do this. I can do this. Then, um, you know, I worked for a couple of years. I went to go and get my master's in biomedical engineering at Columbia University. And I ended up working for J&J. So I work for Johnson & Johnson currently. Came into Johnson & Johnson through a leadership development program. And yeah, I mean, I, I studied engineering and then actually now I changed careers into sales. So I work in sales and in a sense, clinical sales, and I help electrophysiologists within their ablation procedures, which is essentially a procedure that helps patients who have irregular heart rhythms. So completely different career and job. I'm not in an office 24 seven anymore. I'm out and about driving Man, in a day, I'll drive up to like three or four hours going to a hospital awesome. and coming back. Yeah. And it's, it's pretty crazy. And it's, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm currently coming out of a training portion. So I'm about to fly solo. But, um, you know, throughout this whole career journey, I found myself just kind of fascinated with global health and fascinated by people who are just doing amazing things in this field. And it was, it was not until I went on my first solo backpacking trip through Europe. Mm -hmm. And I, it, I just remember this so clearly where it was before I started my master's in Columbia, where my advisor there was like, Hey, like, you know, we don't need you to come into the lab early before school starts. Why don't you do something? Go travel, you know, because you're not going to be able to do things like this later on in life. And I was like, you know, you have a really good point. And I was just like, you know, I know none of my friends are going to have the time to come with me on this trip. Everyone's either in med school or studying or has a kid. And I was like, all right. Let me book two months and go to, you know, Europe. And then I also went to Southeast Asia and it was eye-opening because I was able to see how people lived and the disparities, right? We, we, we stayed in big cities, but then we also visited villages and it was just kind of like, I knew that poverty existed but I wasn't able to really connect with it, you know, kind of a, even like on a personal level. Yeah. And after that, you know, I, I started to ask a lot of questions and I went to India. 
I, you know, I worked in the slums of India for a few weeks. I connected with children there. I walked through the corridors of slums and I, I had, I had Jai with uh, some of the families there, you know, and it's just, uh, it's almost like you, you're living in a completely different world. And then you fly back to the United States and you're living in this like nice posh big house that you live in. You're just like, what just happened? You know, you get on a plane, you just leave and it's two different worlds. And I struggled with that a lot. Um, I also went to do a couple service trips in Honduras and, and it's almost like communities that live in poverty have are very much very similar you know they have similar ideals they have similar wants and wishes and visions for the future and I I just remember having a really a really tough time getting on a plane coming back home because I was like do I really have like I I just you know I just served these people there was one day where we did a pseudo nail salon spa day for these people because they never get to experience these kind of things and I was doing pedicures for these these villagers and I came back and I remember just sobbing on the plane coming back and like now I have to sit in a cube and go back to my engineering role you know and um that's kind of how I started a podcast called The Global Health Pursuit. It actually started out as a blog. And I called it The Global Health Pursuit because I I remember this one girl that I that I met in Laos and she embodied a uh you know that kind of like childlike um vision that it was kind of like what's out there you know Mm. so on my on my podcast cover I show her just standing on a rock and looking out across the river and that was completely what I wanted this podcast to be it was it was very much of a asking questions where I don't know I don't know a lot, you know, and I want to, I want people to be inspired by what other people are doing to help underserved people. And so that's what I started. I started this blog. I wrote about my time in Honduras, about my time in India. And then I was like, I don't know if I like writing so much. I like talking to people a lot more. Yeah. (laughs) And then I started having conversations, you know, just being curious about, what's happening? You know, I don't have a, I don't have a master's in global health. I don't have, I don't have that educational background, but it was just a, it was just a curiosity. And so now I'm 33 episodes deep into my podcast. I started that in May of 2020 and it's been a journey. It's really crazy how to see how big your network can grow just by having a conversation and sharing it with the world. You know, it's, uh, it's really, 
it's it's just really inspiring to me as well because people will tell me like wow you're doing such great work and I'm like I'm not the one doing it you know I'm just sharing these stories but uh that's kind of where I'm at now you know I'm I, I have these conversations out of my little house in Pennsylvania and <laughs> I mean, it sounds and, amazing yeah. Yeah. like honestly the I don't know the way you just talk about you know coming out of school and like realizing like you're not passionate about the same things at you know one point of your life compared to another and the yeah. journey you take to find you know what your passion is I think it's a beautiful story like honestly yeah. no I mean honestly I was just gonna echo that like I even in listening to your story, I think it's important to not only shed light on like how you got into healthcare, because a lot of times, and we had this conversation earlier, like you are going through the motions almost, you're doing what you're supposed to do or what right. you think you're supposed to do. And so when you found that love of global health, I think one thing that not only your experience going back to India, but also your podcast gives to people is that perspective. You know, when you're coming back on the plane and you're like, what is this? How are there completely different views of the world people living in completely different you know just economic situations and we're over here like oh man I can't believe I can't buy this and other people are in other countries like just <laughs> yeah. wishing that they had the problems that we have you know what I mean yeah. so I think that even though you don't think you're doing the work I think what you're giving to people is access through your podcast you're educating people on these issues that not a lot of people know about or even and it's unfortunate, but have access to even learn about, you know, it's very easy to live in your little bubble. So I, right. I honestly commend you. I think that this is amazing work. I, and I, I, I know you said uh, that sometimes we complain about the smallest things, you know, like as privileged people who live in the States or live in higher income countries, uh, it's all valid, you know, it could be like, if you're going to complain about no water running in your house, that's fine. But then at the same time, it's like you think about a community that has to walk two miles to just get a bucket of water. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I remember in India where my parents are from, they, before they had a water heater, and it was like a boiler in the bathroom where you had to turn the boiler on, you have to wait a good 10 minutes. And then you, 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 um, I guess you open the faucet and then the boiled water would just come into the bucket and you only had that certain, um, that certain amount of water and you'd have a cup and you'd be like, okay, now how do I ration this to like take a bath? And it's, yeah, just as you said, it's, I think it's a lot about gratitude I always come back to what Gary Vaynerchuk does. You know, do you know Gary, Gary V? No. So Gary, oh, I Vaynerchuk, love that guy. He's, <laughs> he's amazing. I, I started listening to him, uh, listening to him a few, few years ago, and he preaches a lot about patience and gratitude and empathy. And I try to embody that in whatever I do. And um, because before it was like, oh, uh, what am I going to do next? What am I going to do next? Right. Like trying to get to that next stage of life, like real fast. And now I'm just trying to find a kind of a balance. You know, he 
he would mention how he's he worked in his dad's I think it was like his liquor store for like 10, 15 years before he even was able to do anything real, you know? And uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I kind of went off on a tangent, but it's just, I think having consistent gratitude for what your, how your life is, you know? And, and at the same time, it's when you're, when you go and visit these people, it's amazing how much love and gratitude they have for just even the little things that they have, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So it's a, yeah, it's, 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 it's been amazing. Yeah. No, well, I mean, honestly, thank you for sharing just like your little journey into the global health and about your podcast so that our listeners know where to find you. Um, But I did also, I know we've been talking a lot about India and I was just wondering, um, in terms of global health, we're all very much aware of the COVID-19 crisis that's currently taking place. And I just wanted to know if you wanted to expand on that a little bit and just give us a little bit of breakdown on your views of what's going on over there and any misfalls or things that could have been done better now that you have this global health background. Yeah, so <laughs> it's um, it's pretty crazy. I I remember speaking with an organization called Sundra Foundation right when the COVID pandemic kind of started, especially in India. And what they did was they sent over uh, aid, emergency medical aid for people who were in the working class of India who made between two to five dollars a day. And you know, considering the population in India, it's like 1.4 billion people who live in India. And considering how much of that population live in the slums or live in low or poor income families, can't socially distance. It's funny, like where people will ask me like, well, why can't they just wear a mask? Why can't they just socially distance? It's like, well, how would you be able to socially distance in a hundred square foot house, you know, where you sleep in one corner and you cook your meals in another corner. And then your, your little brother is studying in the other corner. Like, no, it's just physically impossible. And, um, you know, going into the second surge where it's just devastating right now, you know, uh, the numbers of people who are dying right now, I, I think the last time I looked at the amount of people that have passed away, it was reported to be around 200,000 people in India, but that number is wildly underreported. Yeah, It's just insane because there have been local news sources that would, I remember it was one news source in Gujarat on one single day, they reported like almost 700 cremations that happened. And only 10% of that was recorded in the national statistics. So I can't only, I can't even imagine how many people who have died, you know, and I don't want to mention about, you know, 
there's a lot of people who mention, okay, well, this, this could have been stopped politically, you know, there have been big gatherings that have happened um, that could have been prevented. It's, it's all said and done now, you know, Mm -hmm. that's kind of like people are saying like, well, there were farmer protests and that big gathering at the People were trying to blame the farmers' protests for the surges. Yeah, they were blaming Mm -hmm. that. There's so so many people who have been saying that, but then also... Like general holidays where people come together with family and like trying to put blame on like, it sounds like more on like the individual level. Yeah, and that religious events political events um a lot of people think that it's a lot of complacency thinking that oh we we have this under control it's all good you know but now vaccines are hard to come by people are feeling shame um for even getting the vac uh, not the vaccine but getting the virus they won't tell their loved ones in India, it's a, the healthcare system is kind of, it's very different where in order to get treatment, you need to pay first. There's not much of an insurance kind of model, right? Universal healthcare doesn't, it just doesn't exist there either. And uh, just imagine like you, you live in a working household, work, a working poor family, and you make two to five dollars every day. And you maybe you have two cows or a goat, right? And you fall sick and you just you don't have the means to pay for treatment, you know? So you either use Ayurvedic treatments or home remedies, Um, you don't tell your family members once you start feeling sick. And then once it gets really, really bad, that's when you look for help. And yeah, that's, and and that's what, that's when you look for help. And it's, it's really sad because there's a lot of, there's a a lot of shame and there's a lot of blaming that's happening. And um, right now, I think there's just so many organizations that are trying to respond to this crisis by bringing in oxygen concentrators, bringing in medication, and then also providing mental health support, you know, you these people who are getting the virus they're not able to work aka then they can't pay for food then they don't have food to feed their families what do they do they do they sell a goat do they sell a cow like do what what do they do you know and so there's just so many layers that come into play and what I'm trying to do right now is just kind of just amplify the voices of these organizations that are doing that, that are on the ground right now, you know, and witnessing all of these 
things. I mean, I, I heard there was a doctor in India who committed suicide, just couldn't handle it. Yeah. You know, like he was just like, I just can't do it. And uh, there's no beds. Whether you're rich or poor, there's not a bed. What are you going to do? You can't make a bed in a hospital, you know? How um, do you, I mean, it's like clearly, um, like as you're laying it out, it's an issue of disparity more than anything else. Like it's an issue of a lack of resources, a lack of, I don't know, support from the international community to give, you know, the vaccine time, the way they prioritize certain nations over others. Like it's a list of things that like lead to the crisis and like where it is today. But I wanted to hear more from you and like your perspective in what ways do you feel that whether it's like India as a nation or the international community as a whole could be more proactive or could have been more proactive to kind of alleviate the situation or like before it got to where it was, like what would have been like the moves that like we could have made to support, the, you know, India, to support the nation and the people who are suffering? I think that's a, it's a really hard question because personally, I think that it could have been prevented internally because, you know, India was doing so well and like I said, there, there may have been some complacency where, I don't know, it's, it, it's just hard to say, you know, it, and I don't want to say anything that's, um, that others might feel like offended by, because as, like, as the United States of America, like we, there's always like a way for us to give help and respond. We're always doing that. But at the same time, I like, I, I don't want to blame the people of India. I just think that there was, may have been some sort of complacency that happened and a notion that, Hey, we're doing so well. And then kind of just stop being cautious, you know, people aren't as cautious as they were before and big gatherings happened and things like that had happened. And I don't know, it's just a, I think it may have been an internal issue, but it is what it is now. And I think that we can't really blame people in the slums. They can't blame people who are trying to get food on the table. Um, you know, like when there's a lockdown that's happening and it's like people are starving. Yeah. And now international aid aid agencies are coming in and, and, and giving food and food rations and things like that. And so it's just uh that's what I'm I'm just trying to help organizations spread the word of what they're doing. There's so many of them and 
some some organizations who have worked in a specific area in India for a long time and then all of a sudden they see this pandemic hit in a second wave and all they can do is just think on their feet and you know first bring food and then help with medication and then help emotionally support people it's a it's a multi-layered um <laughs> issue <laughs> and uh i mean people are are being forced back into poverty you know we did so well there's been 36 million i believe that's the number in india of the work uh middle class that has been pushed back into poverty and that's more than half of the world's middle class. So um, I've, I've been hearing a lot of insensitive comments from people who say, oh, you know, India has 1.4 billion people. What's that, like a drop in the ocean, you know? Yeah, you'll hear things like this and it's just like heartbreaking because- Like people just reducing like, the value of human life to a number and not exactly everything that comes with the loss of life like that is yeah really insensitive or 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 they'll say india deserved this you um, know i mean that's uh, exactly what you're saying it's like it's drawing also just so many parallels due to just lack of infrastructure like the same way that a lot of the immigrant and under, uh, underserved communities in the United States are dealing with this COVID uh, crisis, you know, and how there are just so many things that could have happened before to deal with this situation. And it's like, this is what happens when you don't support the communities that need support the most. And like, even when you're saying in India, how can you blame a family that lives in the slums and you're telling people to socially distance like how can you put forth these recommendations if they're not equitable across the board if you don't have the option you know what I mean if you and your five siblings are living in that same one bedroom six feet isn't really gonna do anything so yeah Yeah, exactly it's just a insensitive uh heartbreaking um you know, I, I started, I started a TikTok channel to like start, you know, trying to bring more awareness around this. And that's, these are where the comments are coming from. Mm. And people are saying, why are you shaming India? I'm not shaming India. I'm trying to raise awareness about what's happening, mm. you know? And, and if you think this is shaming, then there's a big problem that's happening. You know, there's, it's like really you need to look inwards you know i'm giving these facts and you're you're twisting my words into saying that i'm making india look bad mm-hmm. no that's not that's not what i'm trying to do on a very real issue <laughs> exactly it's just a yeah definitely that's crazy i mean honestly i just want to know more about even your motivation into healthcare. I know myself, nobody's path is really linear in terms of all of this. And I just wanted to know like how, or what you would tell specifically women who are kind of trying to navigate what they think they should be doing, what they're actually passionate about in terms of healthcare and this path that you're now on and 
if you think that like more women even need to be in this field, because, you know, I think that's a huge thing of just getting more women into the engineering fields like you yourself are in, even into healthcare and things like that. Yeah, I definitely, I, I think I posted on Instagram a while ago where like uh, global health is not a linear path. <laughs> it's like literally like a squiggle. <laughs> you're going back and forth trying to figure out where you're going. And um for me, it was more of a curiosity, right? It's a, I got kind of pushed or encouraged to step out of my little box and be courageous and do something on my own and try to try to learn, you know? Um, and I would just say that if there's a, if there's even a little bit of curiosity about how people in other places live or um, what you can do or what others are doing to serve an underserved community or even communities in your own neighborhood, you know, um, it's always just starting small. And that's how I started. I just kind of asked questions. I, I was just curious. And that's kind of how I realized, you know, biomedical engineering is a great field it's not, I just don't find myself as passionate about tedious or not tedious, but like being meticulous and like designing implants and, and instruments and things like that. That's just not what my, where my passion lied. I, I know there are people who are so excited about it and that's amazing. And you're doing such great work. Um, but I think really when people ask me, how am I supposed to find what I'm passionate about? How can I serve? How can I do something that's serving the world? It's almost like just explore, you know, there's so many methods of like exploring on social media. That's kind of how I found some people. I was just kind of like global health organizations or what are people doing? Like poverty, you know? just Googling things and just learning about all of that. Don't, from, just don't be afraid to ask questions. Yeah. For example, when I was in, when I was working in Indiana for, um, in an engineering role, I heard about somebody who traveled to Honduras with an organization called Humanity and Hope United. And uh, I was like, that's really cool. I want to learn about that. So I set up an hour meeting and I learned about that with him. That's how I got involved with them. And yeah, I think it's just asking questions. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of my advice, especially for women who think that this field or healthcare is a field that, especially even for my, myself, like engineering is a field that is mainly male predominant you know I I went to an engineering school I was probably in the 20 percent that were women you know my my classes were very male dominated um and it's changing now it's definitely changing you're seeing a lot more women in these fields but I definitely think that it's a it's a it's a fact of just kind of questioning and just not 
not really, you don't have to dial in what you want to do when you're 18 years old. It's not, you don't need to do that. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I guess that, I guess that, that would be my advice. Really just be curious, open your ears, be open. That's what it is, you know? Yeah. No, that I feel like is pretty sound advice. I feel like most Across people, the board, right? <laughs> well, seriously, be open. <laughs> you could just learn so much from being curious and being open to hearing what, you know, what's going on, what people have to say, just come with curiosity and there's way more to gain than you would lose by like listening to others so um listen to podcasts podcasts are the yeah. best thing like <laughs> you know i i drive so, so much yeah like could you tell us where where can people find you if they want to hear more from you and just like understand and learn more about global health in general mm-hmm. yeah so you can find me on LinkedIn. My name is Hethel Bauman. I it's H E T A L. Last name is Bauman, B A M A N. And it's funny my my title on LinkedIn is very different from other people's where I don't have my job title on it. Mine is I think it's a empathic engineer and social entrepreneur social entrepreneur and host of the Global Health Pursuit podcast. Like it's not clinical account specialist at Johnson and Johnson, you know, <laughs> because I feel like I want to convey my personality mm. through gravitates towards these... people more. Yeah. Like what's an empathic engineer? You know, what does yeah. that mean? Um, because I, I think even throughout this whole last year, I, I found this intuitive ability you know I was kind of I feel like a lot of people throughout the first year of the pandemic really kind of had to sit with themselves a lot and listen you know listen to their inner thoughts because there was a lot of anxiety happening there was a lot of just mental health things floating around and uh, I really kind of started to dig deep and ask myself like who am I really what do I want to do you know, and, and starting to meditate on these kind of things. And I realized I have this, I'm, I'm a, a huge empath. I can feel how others are feeling in my body. If I really tap in and that's kind of where the empathic engineer came from, but yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me, find my podcast at global health pursuit. Um, you can find it anywhere you listen to podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. And my latest episode is the first in a series, or I'm doing a India COVID crisis series where I'm talking to a bunch of organizations working on the ground in India. And I'm trying to get different perspectives, right? I'm trying to get perspectives of people who are working with the working, working poor, trying to get perspective of people who are living in specific organization like um specific parts of india and organizations that focus on different things where like this past the next episode that's coming out it's around an organization that's really just not only helping medically and physically but they're really taking the time to spend sit sit with these individuals Mm -hmm. emotionally as well 
and it's a yeah i mean you can you can listen to these conversations it's a lot of these conversations like i'll like end up crying in the, in the middle i'll be like i'm crying no it's like very meaningful important to you like you're not just talking about your booty you know you're actually talking from your heart <laughs> You're hearing people about, and you're you're trying to promote something that you feel is really important. I think it's better that you're emotionally connected to those conversations than being detached. I think it's harder to produce quality content when it's something that like you don't really care about. You're not invested in. But yeah, it's but sure. it's also like it's like at least you can be honest, you know. Like I feel like uh, Deja and I. At least I don't think we've ever gone to a point where we wanted to cry. So, but we've only done like, on you are like our yeah, yeah. 11th episode. <laughs> You'll be like our 11th or 12th episode. So like, we maybe when we get to like where you are, we'll find somebody who will like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this kind of came in, like I, it's funny cause I, this last episode that I did that I, I basically almost started tearing up because they were telling me a story about this young boy who, was you know diagnosed with covid and he was just really mentally broken down you know he was feeling a lot of shame and um it's connected with me because i have some distant family members who still live in india who have passed from covid and uh sometimes it's hard because i live in the states and you hear about these family members who have passed away, but you, you haven't really fully heard the story around how they initially fell sick. And then they, you know, my, one of my, my, it was my mom's cousin who had passed away. And I hear about this and I heard, and that was the first time I, I heard about it when he passed because they didn't tell anyone until he passed. That's the whole thing around shame, you know? And uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just, I think when you really fully listen and are open to that, I think that energy just kind of comes across, even when you're sitting across a computer, you know, you're, you're talking on Zoom and you're listening to these stories and um, I think as a podcast host, it's very important to not just think about what your next question is going to be, but it's also really important to just sit and, and sit with what they're, they're talking about and reflect. Cause there have been points in some of my episodes where I would just kind of pause for a few seconds and be like, I don't even know what to say to that, you know, because what you just said was really heavy. And I want a moment to just let that sink in. So um, I think a lot of people are, are drawn to my podcast because it is, I try to make it as authentic and conversational as possible. I don't, I'm not somebody who has a strict agenda um, if it veers off, then it veers off or conversation just kind of goes to left field. That's fine. That's amazing to me. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, I would so appreciate if you checked out my, my episodes, Global Health Pursuit. It's, uh, it's everywhere you can find podcasts. And I am, I hope that you all are just inspired and, you know, are inspired by could be just one episode and maybe you get involved with the organization. That is my goal really to create a, create a community of like-minded people who just want to do good um, within social impact. And that's, uh, that's really my end goal. Like I don't need to be the person that is on the front page or cover, you know, like, I don't need to be that. I just want to be that little like liaison person being like, oh, listen to the episode. Oh, cool. You got really interested in that organization. And now you're part of the board. Like what? You know, like that's really cool. That's happened. Uh, that's happened before. And uh, that's just, just a little, little vision, little goal that I have in, in my life right now. So, yeah. That is amazing. Honestly, Hitha, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast and sharing about not only your journey into global health, but also the importance and the impact of what's currently happening in India and raising awareness about that, but also just allowing people to know that like nobody's path is linear. I think it's very nice when you hear people's genuine stories into how they got where they are because everyone you know especially when you're 18 you're like okay I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do this I'm gonna have a job I'm gonna and it never or rarely happens that way so it's nice to know that even if you are going on a path that you think you're supposed to be on life has other plans and you could tumble into a totally different career that you fall in love with so I wish people normalized (laughs) taking a gap year after high school Oh, yes. I wish they I did like, that. Like all of my cousins, because I, I wasn't able to travel until I was in college and after college that yeah. like, if you, you know, really want to know who you are, don't rush into university and travel. take a year <laughs> to travel, like yeah. save up some money your senior year of high school, get a job and put it aside and go see someplace and learn about yourself just yeah. because it helps. I think a I, I think I matured way more through the process of traveling. And I think I would have been a much better student earlier on in university because I would have known my purpose or what I wanted to work towards and invest yes. in studying that instead of just, I mean, very similar to what you're saying. Like you have like whatever image in your head of like what path you're going to take without any real context of like, exactly. if you really want to do that, if it's your interest. So it, it honestly, it means so much that you joined us today. <laughs> like, thank feels, you. I appreciate it. Learned so much from you. Yeah, I feel fulfilled. <laughs> so, oh yay! <laughs> I like was Google. I was like, okay, hope for humanity. Like, yeah. <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. If you want to learn more about Hethal Baman, you can find her social media linked in the show notes of today's podcast episode. Bye, and thank you guys for tuning in and dissecting the concept of global health and the India COVID crisis with us tonight. 
If you have any topics that you want us to tackle or you want to be on an episode of Sad Girl Sunday, be sure to DM us on our Instagram page. We want to allow people to share their stories and their truths. As always, you can listen to this episode and more on Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, and other podcast platforms. Don't forget to follow us at sadgirlsunday underscore and have a great night.